1: the gates and ready to go outkick 360 underway monday edition we are back big weekend big night in sports the college football national championship between georgia and tcu will kick off in a matter of hours we'll head out to los angeles trey wallace will join us from outkick.com he's there giving great coverage on all things college football and the playoff championship as georgia goes for back-to-back titles and tcu tries to pull the Cinderella upset. And we will also uh, be joined in studio by Brad Gaines, former Vanderbilt running back, who knows what it's like to feel like T. Higgins would have felt a week ago tonight whenever uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin uh, with the cardiac arrest sent him to the hospital and then the comments afterwards by some former players, including Bart Scott, um, Chucky Mullins, uh, passed away two years after he broke his, his, his fractured and, and broke his spine, his vertebrae, in a collision with Vanderbilt running back Brad Gaines in, in 89. And it still haunts him in many ways to this day, where he visits uh, the, the gravesite of Chucky e. Mullins three times a year. He'll be in studio to give perspective on the other side of things. And in about an hour, uh, Amy Dash will join us, where uh, the founder of League of Justice Sports and Odyssey. Uh, legal insider for all things sports and athletes and firings and hirings and contracts. We'll discuss Chris Beard and the exit at Texas about to get going with the playoffs. Chad, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon. Hutton, this is maybe my second favorite week of the football season. Yeah. My favorite week comes on Labor Day week where you've got the start of college football and a full NFL preview, getting ready for that first Thursday night game of the year but a full college football slate to react to. Love this week because you have Black Monday in the NFL on the same day as the national championship game in college football, closing the book on college football, and previewing all this week a full slate of NFL playoff games this weekend. Doesn't get much better than this for football fans. So we're going to talk about all of it throughout the show and a number of other different stories, but I love this week. This is the the bookend from the start of the football season back on Labor Day week. To now, I love the, the two of these combined. And we're going to have fun getting this week kicked off the right way.
1: And a lot to get to. A busy day with plenty of headlines across the NFL and college football. And we get things going with the six biggest headlines you need to know about as we begin this Monday, 6 and three sixty. And, Chad, let's kick things off with the NFL playoffs. Philadelphia, Kansas City, they get the bye. And the Dolphins and the Seahawks are the, the seven seeds. They get in to the postseason. Green Bay loses a winning-in scenario. Detroit was eliminated whenever Seattle won their game against the Los Angeles Rams yesterday. And so we have two solid storylines with Mike McDaniel and year number one out of Miami traveling to Buffalo. And Seattle will be on the road within their own division yet again, taking on San Francisco, who gets the two-spot. What stands out to you from Wild Card Weekend Number One? So, just looking at Wild Card Weekend
2: Number One, it's division rematches. I think is what jumps out to me first. Uh, I'm not very excited about the Bills hosting a Tua-less Dolphins team that took them, you know, right down to the wire just a few weeks ago in Orchard Park with Tua. Not going to be the case this time. And then. A rematch, third go around, Cincinnati and Baltimore, uh, another big game this week. And then Seattle and San Francisco. Um, not an overly exciting wild card weekend when you have so many trilogies happening this week and not a lot of new matchups, uh, but there's still plenty of. Plenty of cause for excitement with some of these matchups.
1: I'm really intrigued by Chargers-Jags. Jacksonville gets in after taking down the Titans in a win-and-in AFC, AFC South Championship game. And I mean, the, the other interesting matchup to me is Dallas and yes. Tampa. Because Dallas is really not limped in, but they've lost a couple now. Dak Prescott's not playing well. And meanwhile, Tom Brady's back.
2: Tom Brady, Dallas looked <laughs> horrific against the Commanders yesterday, limping in a bit. That, that, to me, that's the one. The Monday night football game yeah.
1: is the tail end of this Wild Card weekend, and that's the game I'm most excited about. Cliff Kingsbury is out in Arizona. There was a report that was coming out over the weekend that they were looking into possible replacements for Cliff Kingsbury if they decided to part ways. Now, they had just handed him a big contract extension along with Steve Kahn, who is away from the team uh, for medical reasons. He stepped away a little over a month ago now. He's also stepping away to tend to those issues moving forward. So this will be an overhaul from the direction of the franchise, from the general manager, and now from the head coach. And we said it prior to the extensions being handed out, both for Kingsbury and Kahn, but also paired with Kyler Murray, who's now coming off the ACL. They're preparing for a new QB there to start the season as well. You'd have to imagine, given the fact that even if he's back, and he will be based on the contract, he's got to rehab and get ready. This is the coach not winning out over what was a horrendous season where it was playoff for pink slip. We were talking about that in the offseason before the contract extension, Chad. Kingsbury's out. And now, based on whatever feedback they have, they feel like they're in a good spot with the coach that they want to go and get. Let me be blunt about the Arizona Cardinals. This
2: team is never going to truly reach its potential as a franchise until that ownership group sell, sells the team to someone else, to a competent ownership group. It's gotten better under the bidwills but not a lot better. This is the amazing stat coming out of this. In the 100-year history of the Cardinals organization, they've never had a coach last more than six seasons. And now Cliff Kingsbury, done in season six, adds to that list that's terrible yeah that's such a lack and that that's not just oh well you know they just haven't gotten lucky with the coaching hires that is an organizational issue that starts with ownership and that's got to be fixed before anything else i have a hard time getting excited about any gm hire any speculation about a new head coach until a new ownership group is making that hire quite frankly it's going to be more of the same And if they ever have an inkling of success, if they're able to pull off a trade for Sean Payton and they go on to do good things, it's not going to last because that ownership group is bad. It's that simple.
1: Sean McVay questioning his future with the LA Rams. Tell us if you heard this before. It was last year around the Super Bowl right after. on Whether or not he was going to return decided to not go into broadcast but stayed with the Rams to run it back. Uh, They brought back the big group of players that wanted to stick around and try to repeat as super bowl champions stafford donald others and among the topics we had throughout the season one of them was biggest biggest individual regret and i think it was sean McVay not going out on top when he had the opportunity where i mean he's going to get paid anyway to be on, on a, a broadcast but at the time it was amazon that was linked to him for thursday night football And he would have had a lot more time on his hands and not won five games on the season in the return from the Super Bowl championship. It's such an amazing
2: decision that Sean McVay could make right now. There's, There's no loser here. Yeah. I mean, he's already won a Super Bowl. He's young. He's going to go make millions in television if he wants. He can play the John Gruden. John Gruden was there in in Tampa maybe a little bit too long. One of his mentors, too. After that 2002 Super Bowl, right? Yeah. But then he was able to leave. He was able to leave for 15-plus years and come back. And every
1: year he was talked about.
2: Every single year, Sean McVay, you leave now. It's just a one blip, one bad season thing. Every year, you're going to get flirted with by (laughs) NFL openings. You can decide to go back when you want in the perfect spot or not and continue to make millions in television. What a life. What a, what an, I mean, it's to me, the decision's easy. Leave. Leave right now if you don't like the situation. Just personally, I don't think it looks great that, you know, you're going to sit there and, and tout F them picks with your organization in the moment it gets tough. After winning a Super Bowl, you're going to bolt and make millions in TV. But that's the best professional decision for Sean McVay. Step away. Don't let things get bad. You know they're about to even get worse with the Rams, the situation that this this roster's in right now. Go to TV, make millions, take the next best job. When it comes along, five years from now, three years from now, 15 years from now, you're young enough to wait as long as you need to to take another job. Uh, It's an amazing time to be Sean McVay hot.
1: Not an amazing time to be a Houston Texans head coach because they're about to have their fourth head coach in as many years, Lovey Smith, out, but not before he goes for two to send the Houston Texans to number two overall in the NFL draft. Lovey Smith, one and done, just like David Culley. And Chad, the reports are that the Texans want to speak with D'Amico Ryans and get an opportunity to chat with him about the head coaching position there. But much like the Arizona Cardinals, They need a direction and leadership, and where they're going to go with the overall power and structure with Nick Casario. Do you think that Lovey Smith went for two
2: knowing he was going to be fired? I
1: think he knew he was out.
2: Just as a big, you know what, to the Texans to not let them have that number one overall pick? I, I really think that was the case, too. I think he knew the writing was on the wall and he was going to be gone. It's unfortunate. I mean, this is going to be only the second franchise in history to have four different head coaches in four years. Now, the last one, it worked out pretty well. It was the San Francisco 49ers mm. who parted ways with Jim Harbaugh. Then they brought in the great Jim Tom Tomsula, who had one of the worst introductory press conferences in history. Then they went to Chip Kelly for a year, and then it led them eventually to Kyle Shanahan. It's worked out pretty well for the Niners from that point on. Maybe it'll work out that that well for the Texans, but... And I'm kind of with you, similar to my take on the Cardinals right now. They got to get direction organizationally figured out. And I don't know allowing Nick Casario to make big decisions is the right way to go. Th- this feels like a team that's in need of a complete reset and not just firing the coach.
1: Yep. And many of the headlines out of the NFL today, deja vu from a, a year ago, honestly, because the Texans have just fired a one-and-done coach. Um, we knew that McVay... Uh, was at least contemplating the future without football because he was mentioning it in interviews as part of his overall answer, uh, not long-term, but short-term. And Kingsbury was going to be on the hot seat one way or the other, although Arizona was playing in the postseason this time. Also, deja vu. What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? And the comments last night after the loss at home to the Detroit Lions are interesting, where he says, I need to get away and contemplate those things when asked about whether or not he plans on returning for another season with the Packers. Those are real to me. I have a lot of pride in what I've accomplished in this league, but I'm also a realist, and I understand where we are as a team. We're a young team, and there could be some change with some of the older guys. It could be time to step away, but I could take some time and say, hell no, I want to get back out there and go on another run. That from Aaron Rodgers yesterday after falling to the Detroit Lions and missing the postseason.
2: Let me give you a preview of what I think is about to happen. Aaron Rodgers is about to step aside. He's going to drink some mushroom tea. Kay. He's going to do some ayahuasca. He's going to get his body set. He's going to go through some sort of juice cleanse or pepper cleanse or some sort of cleanse that blue, more. blue of earth turned him on to. He's going to feel great physically. He's going to lose about 15 pounds. He's going to look all gaunt like Tom Brady does in the offseason. And he's gonna come back and he's gonna decide, you know, with his newfound hippie lifestyle that he's ready to go. And he's gonna physically feel okay and be ready to play quarterback in the NFL. Here's the difference though between Brady and Rodgers and why I have questions. I don't know when Aaron Rodgers, that when he decides to come back, that he's all in to the level Brady is. Brady sacrificed his marriage to stay playing football. Because he and he's talked about it like he's he feels like he's someone being deployed that he leaves everything behind when he goes and plays NFL quarterback. I don't know that, and this is no knock at Aaron Rodgers' work ethic. Clearly, the guy works hard throughout his career, but at this point in his life, Hutton, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is taking that level of commitment to this job when he goes there. And I think that's part of the reason. We saw a big-time decline in his game this year. Certainly, the supporting cast had a lot to do with it. and was probably the biggest factor. But I don't watch him and think, man, physically, he's not any good anymore. I think he can do the job. But I do question at times whether or not he's fully engaged. And I think the offseason of will I, won't I leads to that level of disengagement at times. So Back, Back-to-back MVPs I think when he's he had decide a, to play a
1: outstanding look. wide receiver, though. Yeah. You know? And that's that's the thing that i can't overlook and it was wasn't like it happened five years ago it was last year and the year prior
2: well normally i'm not for someone that's been one place their entire career that's kind of legendary for that one franchise to go play somewhere else i think just step aside or finish it out one more year with that team i do watch aaron Rodgers though and i'm very curious about what he would look like with great receiving options around him if he were with another team. And there
1: are some openings now with great receiving options. Yes. That will be rumored for sure. Yes, indeed. Get your Um, ayahuasca ready. Also good receivers in the NFL draft. As we mentioned, Lovey Smith goes for two. The Chicago Bears had lost. So the Chicago Bears, by virtue of Houston beating Indy 32-31, the Chicago Bears, for the first time since 1947, are selecting number one overall in a draft, and they are the first team to lead the league in rushing as a team and to have a record this bad to where they are number one overall in the NFL draft, Uh, followed by Houston, who will be locked in at number two overall, Chad. Arizona with the third overall pick, followed by the Indianapolis Colts and the Seattle Seahawks who get into the postseason They trade away Russell Wilson. Keep in mind, they don't have just this year's pick, but also next year's first-round pick in exchange for that and some others. They end up number five overall, and they're in the postseason, followed by the Detroit Lions, who are also right there fighting to the end, much like a year ago.
2: Hutton, now with that two-point conversion for the Texans, if they're going to want to get Bryce Young, they're going to have to trade up and get him because there's going to be a trade partner behind them at number two that's going to be willing to trade up and get him or C.J. Stroud if he ends up being the top pick. I'm going to take just a flyer right now and a guess of who that team's going to be. It's the team picking ninth. I think the Carolina Panthers Mm. are due for a trade up and David Tepper going big and selling the farm to go and get who they think is going to be a long-term option at quarterback number one overall. I think that's going to be the chief competition for the Texans. If they want to trade up just one
1: spot to get that number one pick in a quarterback. I think it's gonna be Carolina. And I think that this year it's a, a steeper price tag than what it's been in certainly years past for that battle for number one, but Chicago's got options at, on defense and how married are they to Justin Fields? We now find out, because they hold the number one pick if they wanna move on. You could trade Fields, who's still in the rookie contract, and end up with the guy you want with a new regime in place? Questions that will be discussed over the next couple of months. I talked months.
2: about this with Dan Dockage. It sounds crazy to think that they would, you know, after just drafting Justin Fields in the first round, yeah. would then re-up and do it. But we've seen this where if you're lukewarm at all on the quarterback, then you teams don't have a move on quickly. Especially with a new head and coach, I, I don't new know, GM. I mean, I think they found a little bit of a rhythm of how they need to play with Justin Fields, but... Viable questions are, is that style sustainable? Have you seen enough of him as a passer to like what you're going to get long-term from him? I I think those are still big question marks. And if those are still big question marks, the Bears may be drafting one of those quarterbacks number one overall.
1: And they've traded for Chase Claypool, who did nothing after the trade deadline. Yeah. you know, Bad spot for him. Great news today, though. A week after entering the hospital uh, and – I mean, it's remarkable how fast this week went and how slow it was at the same time. Damar Hamlin has been released from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center as of right now, and he's traveling back to be with the team in Buffalo. That is remarkable, considering where all things were a week ago tonight. And Brad Gaines will be in studio to give perspective on it, but that's... um, If you had told me then, because the debate was how they're going to make this game up, now we're talking playoff matchups, we're talking draft order, and DeMar Hamlin is headed back to Buffalo. It's great news. And
2: everything's sort of been right on time after all that uncertainty early on with DeMar Hamlin, where for over 48 hours, almost into the third day, yeah. didn't really get an update until the doctors finally had that press conference. The Bills had their release about him being alert and uh, neurologically intact. Then you get the, the photo of him watching The Bills win over the Patriots and his reaction to the kickoff return for touchdown, which was great. And now the day after that game, getting ready and previewing a weekend of of playoff football, you get the great news that he's going to be discharged from the hospital. So it's all heading
1: in the right direction. Coming up, we take a look at the matchups for the postseason. We'll also recap Week 18 and how we have the playoff field set. The biggest headlines across the NFL also include coaching firings and who's reportedly being asked or requested to uh, speak with certain teams. All of that and more coming
0: up on OutKick360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served And a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part Angie makes the process seamless. or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Tamar
1: Hamlin, Bill's safety, released from the hospital this morning in Cincinnati, headed back to Buffalo. Uh, Doctors saying he's he's maintaining a normal diet and all the, the vitals are really good. I mean, that's outstanding. Black Monday headlines for fired NFL coaches. Every time I hear Black Monday or the firings, I think of Gruden with the Fired Football Coaches Association. Um, uh, Kingsbury's out in Arizona, along with general manager Steve Kahn, who they've said is stepping away to deal with health reasons, but he was already doing that. And um, Lovie Smith is out in Houston. It seems as though Kevin Stefanski is keeping his job, at least for now, in Cleveland, because the only... Right now, the only coaching move they've made of significance is Joe Woods, their defensive coordinator, is not being brought back. He's been fired. Portsard, they want to, um, you know, potentially look at Gerard Mayo for that position, the linebackers coach in New England, um, and there will be other names linked to that spot as well. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, by the way, he's linked to Houston if they – you know, if that's the only team he'll, I think D'Amico Ryans gets other opportunities. It's too.
2: time for Gerard Mayo to take that step up and be yeah. a DC. I always thought that it was strange that he's had four or five head coaching
1: interviews. Yeah, Houston was one of them. Yeah,
2: and, and, um, but not as a DC. Yeah, I'm, I've been right. waiting for him to take that step to take a job as a DC somewhere. Now I think,
1: I believe with him being the first interview, he's going to get his chance in Cleveland. And defensive coordinator Dean Pease retiring uh, from the Atlanta Falcons. Long, long career for Coach Pease. Good friend of the show. Yeah, we, we're big fans of uh, Dean Pease. So congrats, Coach, uh, and enjoy retirement uh, with you and the family and the and the grandkids. Is he going to come back to Middle Tennessee? I don't know. I feel I like know. he still has family
2: here. He does. Where people stayed. So yeah. if he... Sure he if he retires here. here, I think he's got family in Ohio, too, I, I yes. believe. Yep. I'm talking to him on the show. Yep. We'll have to get him in studio on Outkick 360 That'd if he comes back a lot to of Nashville. Fun. A lot of fun. He's uh, got
1: a lot of great stories. Super wild card weekend across the NFL. The games and times have been set. We will kick things off with Seattle at San Francisco on Saturday. That's the game on Fox at 430 Eastern, followed by Saturday night, Jacksonville hosting Los Angeles on the surface chat. San Francisco with Brock Purdy against a team, honestly, no one. They're a great story, but of the three options going into Sunday, I wanted Seattle in the least. That probably means they're going on a run with Geno Smith and company. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Green Bay in. Uh, same with Detroit and the winner take all. But the Rams uh, end up falling to Seattle and the Seahawks get in.
2: I think the most disappointed I was all weekend in terms of just what I wanted Mm. to see in the playoffs was when the Rams lost to the Seahawks in overtime because it was going to create another playoff game. Now, credit the Detroit Lions who took a situation where they had no chance to go to the postseason and they played that thing like it was a playoff game. Yeah. They played that with the absolute heart and pride you'd want highly paid professionals to play a game against a rival the way they – I was impressed with Dan Campbell's team having that heartbreak of not – and it's a big deal for the Lions. It's not a big deal for every team. Oh, you missed the playoff one year, but we're an organization that'll be back. The Pittsburgh Steelers, for instance. You feel like even with them missing, oh, they're going to be back soon because they don't have losing seasons in Pittsburgh. For Detroit it was so much more special, meant so much more to get in. So to have that the possibility of that happen taken away after the team you need to lose is losing for pretty much an entire game and they win it in the end in overtime. That's disheartening and they went out there and they played they played hard. And they won a game in freezing cold temperatures at Lambeau against a Packers team who had everything to play for and a spot in the playoffs on the line. So really impressed the Lions. All that being said, though, Hutton, that's when I was most disappointed was when the Lions weren't going to have a chance to win an end just like the Packers on Sunday night football last
1: night. Your Sunday three-pack, starting with Miami, they get in as the final spot in the AFC. They're traveling to Buffalo. Uh, that is your noon central, 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff time, followed by your sandwich game, Minnesota hosting New York on Fox. Um, both of the Fox games this weekend, 4.30 Eastern kickoffs. And then Sunday night football will be Bengals and Ravens in the rematch. And we felt this coming, that there was a chance you get the both back-to-back matchups. And, Chad, that's the eight fifteen kickoff. We await more word on Lamar Jackson. The assumption is he's going to be ready to go, uh, but here's Joe Burrow and company as one of the favorites to get back to the Super Bowl, entering the postseason as the division winners. Uh, the window's always open for Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow's in the league. Just ask him. And that this could end up being one of those top games of the uh, the top game of the entire weekend because of Baltimore's defense paired with the return of Lamar Jackson. Hutton, they never screw it up in terms
2: of the timing of these games. I mean, like clockwork. Yeah, I can tell you exactly, when you tell me the matchup, I'll tell you exactly when it's going to be slotted. Mm-hmm. They're going to put the two worst games on that Saturday, and I could have said right away, oh, it's going to be, a, the night game will be Chargers-Jags. The first game is going to be that, the trilogy of Seahawks 49ers that no one asked for. Uh, those are the two that's easy, and I think that Sunday night football game was an easy pick. Also, this is the one of those division of the three division games happening in the in the wild card round. This is by far the most interesting, right? Ravens, Bengals. If Lamar Jackson is back, to me, by far the most interesting, as opposed to Geno Smith. Now, the Forty Nineers stories interest me because of Brock Purdy. Yeah, Because he's played like a top 10 quarterback in all the NFL since he's been the star. He Hasn't lost. So and not only is he undefeated, but it's not, he's not just riding a great defense and supporting catch. He looks like an elite quarterback in this offense as he's been playing. So that part of that matchup is fun for me. Outside of that, I think, once again, the NFL knows exactly what they're doing with that formula. When you look at 1 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday – Dolphins, Bills, leading into Giants, Vikings, leading into Bengals, Ravens at night. It's a it's a nice weekend.
1: And then we look at it all together. It's a nice weekend. A week from tonight, Tampa and Dallas, right back where we started uh, for their first game of the season, week one. Now you've got the rematch in the first weekend of the postseason, where Tampa Bay will now host Dallas. Dallas comes in not playing well. You know they. You start looking around at their... They have a good defense. They're known for getting after the quarterback. What, three sacks, I believe, over the final three games of the regular season? On top of that, Deck Prescott has not been playing well in the passing game. They need to focus on the run. They can win this game. They need to focus on running the football now that they have uh, some healthier options over the course of the last month or so to get back into uh, the postseason. The wild card, though, pardon the pun is Brady and Mike Evans, and last we saw them, I know he played and threw, what, 15 passes yesterday in Atlanta, but last we saw them with a playoff-like atmosphere and mentality against Carolina, uh, they went single coverage, and those two got back on track. And if that's the case, Tampa can go toe-to-toe here, not just with Dallas, but advance. I think they would have to go most likely through Dallas and then Philly, who gets the bye. It's so crazy to think about, you know, the full circle
2: nature of things um, with this this season. The way this season started in that game, 19-3, to 3, the Bucks won that oh, opener. Yeah, And I'm just thinking about it, and it feels like two years ago that Dak Prescott hurt his hand. They got a helmet or got hit by another hand, right? He's out for four weeks. And I remember thinking, Cowboys are 0-1, schedule's about to be very tough. And they got their first win, I think, in... The next week, they beat Cincinnati. Remember, that was when Cincinnati yep. started 0-2. And that was shocking that Cooper Rush was able to do that. But I remember thinking then, man, could Cooper Rush, after this 0-1 start, just keep the <laughs> yeah. Cowboys relevant enough to where they're a factor for the playoffs late in the year? And instead, he does very well. Dak Prescott comes back, does well. Cowboys are one of the favorites to possibly make a run and go to the Super Bowl. And here's Tampa Bay starting 1-0 and in Dallas – And then everything falls apart, but they find a way to win a bad division. And now here we are hosting (laughs) again where they went on the road to Dallas. I just think it's fun to think about where those two teams started in terms of perception, what we thought after that game, and now what we think about these two teams playing on Monday Night Football in the playoffs. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I will not be surprised in the least if Tom Brady comes up with some monster performance with mike evans and they're able to beat the cowboys and if the cowboys are one and done mike mccarthy is gone mark my word they will do everything they can to trade for jerry jones favorite sean payton to get back i truly believe this is a win or you're fired scenario for mike mccarthy
1: yeah the pressure's on and the pressure has been on there this season for him but and we we previewed the season by saying jerry jones is not getting any older he was actually extremely patient with jason garrett and what he would say about jason garrett people like okay sure you know you're gonna you're gonna fire him soon sooner rather than later and go move on to the next coach but he stuck with him and now with mccarthy and back-to-back years where this is an nfl offense that for the most part week in week out can put up 30 plus on you Dak prescott lowest career completion percentage in the history of Dak Prescott in Dallas happened yesterday against Washington. And, you know, they've been flirting with uh, bringing in other receivers and they, they trade away options, but then C.D. Lamb, you know, is capable of going off and being a true number one, but it hasn't been consistent enough. And to me, if they don't go through Pollard and Elliott, he's out because I think they'll lose the game.
2: I could see uh, T.Y. Hilton, if the Cowboys go on a run, I could see T.Y. Hilton becoming uh, a storyline this playoffs. He's not been huge, but I feel like sort of in the vein of Odell Beckham Jr. for the Rams, Mm -hmm. he's going to make some veteran plays in big spots for the Cowboys that's going to surprise.
1: McCarthy finally set Prescott with like five minutes left in that game yesterday. Tried to stick with him, just get them out of the funk. And... There was a situation where if Dallas won and Philly lost, well, Dallas is going to win the division. Uh, Didn't happen. And uh, for McCarthy's sake, Prescott didn't get hurt in this game either. He's thrown, though, at least one interception in seven straight games. That's the longest streak of his career. And he finishes the regular season with the most interceptions of any quarterback this year. And that's saying something because we started the conversation by saying he was hurt in week one and it took a while to get him back. And he puts the ball in harm's way. They still put up points, though. That's the key. They'll turn it over. By and large, they're putting up 30-plus, which is tough to keep up with. And they've got a dangerous defense. For sure. Um, which of the, the road teams this weekend do you think is the biggest threat, the team that you would not want to play? Well, I I don't know that it's the
2: team that I wouldn't want to play as much as I just think they're going to win and win pretty easily, the Chargers. I I think Jacksonville is cooked in this home game. Now, that was a great atmosphere they had at home and what was another playoff game for them on Saturday night against the Titans, just watching on television. Um, But I I like the Chargers and Herbert to go in there and win and win outright and move on. Uh, But, I mean, in terms of danger, I think it's the team we're just talking about. Right, of, of road teams, it's the Cowboys, yeah. who's just a better team than Tampa. I mean, it's going to be an upset to me if Tampa wins this home game against Dow. won't shock me, but it's going to be a pretty big upset based on the rosters of both of those teams. So, who could, you know, two different answers. Who, which road team do I like the most this weekend to win? If I'm, if I've got a confidence pool going and I'm trying to pick a winner, yeah. I'm going Chargers one, Cowboys two. Who's the most dangerous to win more games? Cowboys. See, I think,
1: of the, I think the winner of Chargers-Jags is my answer in the AFC. Both teams coming in, but winning when they need to. Um, I think there's more pressure, for sure. It sounds crazy because they're not at home. There's more pressure on Staley and the Chargers. He could be another one to watch out for. It all depends on the pairing of the quarterback with the, the offensive-minded coach that these owners are seeking and if they're willing to trade and go get Sean Payton. But yet yesterday, uh, Staley keeping the starters in there way too long, I thought, and it ends up, you've got Mike Williams who has back issues now. Back spasms kept him out of the game for the majority of the, all of the second half, uh, nearly three full quarters. And uh, they also lose Bosa in that game as well to a, a, a nagging injury. So they, they could have rested more than what they did but this is very similar to the approach that jacksonville took in week 17 not week 18 where they're trying to just keep the rhythm going it's a very interesting matchup because the the Chargers have been playing well but it's not like they've been posting a ton of points meanwhile the jags have been until week 18 where it was a struggle the entire night on saturday
2: yeah i just thought that game was a huge moment for trevor lawrence because he's been playing so well and playing mm-hmm. so much better yeah. where I I was just – the Jags won the game, but I was expecting Trevor Lawrence to make a huge play late to win that game. And they didn't – he didn't win anything. I felt like they won by default because of a screwy call. I, I mean, 50-50 if it's a fumble or pass or incomplete a pass. Uh, honestly. First, just
1: first glance, I thought they, they got it right. I, I thought, look, I'm
2: no big conspiracy theorist. Hutton has better conspiracies than I do. Um, I do think that quarterback bias is a real thing in the NFL, and I think if that's Tom Brady throwing the ball, I think it's called incomplete pass on the field, and I think what would have probably been a fumble would have been upheld because of the call on the field because it would have been so close. I think it's a lot easier to call a fumble and then quickly – I don't even know if they, how they looked at it. They quickly said the call is confirmed on the fumble on a, a guy who's making his second start in his seventh year in the NFL, and getting Trevor Lawrence to the playoffs is better than getting Josh Dobbs to playoff. Again, I'm not making a huge argument that it's definitely an incomplete pass. I think it was closer and deserved a closer look than it was um, because of where the ball was going and where it was hit. But either way, it was the Jags' defense making the big play on a guy who had been there 17 days that didn't pick up the hot route, that had no clue someone was coming unblocked, and that was the difference in the game. Which you should know based on this whole line. Yes, and I thought the Titans, game plan-wise, gave him a chance. Defense played great, played inspired. Josh Dobbs made some big fourth down
1: throws. He was great in the first half.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the story of the Titans' season, too. Great in the first half at times and terrible in the second half. And he wasn't terrible in the second half. They were just doing enough to tread water to try to hold off and try to hold the Jags to a bunch of yards, but a field goal at the end of it to win the game. And then that happened, and it was
1: over. Jacksonville gets in playing well, but I think it, for as much as Lawrence did not play well, the fact that the defense came up with that play to send them the postseason, I think there's dividends on the back end of that. You know, someone other than Trevor Lawrence stepped up and made a massive play. You know, like, to me, that sparks more than just, oh, the franchise quarterback made this, made this play. The team picked up the poor play of the offense And the offense hasn't been the problem for for the Jags, by and large, throughout the final three months of the season. It's offense against offense, and it's Herbert who's already there, right? But they're back to the postseason, but he's there um, with the hierarchy of the AFC quarterbacks. And now Trevor Lawrence, by virtue of a win in the postseason, you can now jumpstart that discussion too. By the Titans not losing, they have not been able to stunt the growth of Trevor Lawrence. They could have had him wait another year to even have the opportunity to have that first postseason experience. And now in year two, in a year and a half removed from Urban Meyer and paired with Doug Peterson, who's done this before, they have a lot of things clicking in their favor. Absolutely. I trust and I trust I, Peterson more than I do Staley.
2: Yeah, I, I still just, if they're going to win now, and I thought this no. on Saturday night, it didn't require it because the Titans offense is mm-hmm. so bad. But th- he's going to have to have a
1: huge game, oh, yeah. huge yes. moments yes. against Herbert and the Chargers if they're going to advance. Yes, uh, I'm with you. Um, the Bills, first play, opening kickoff, 96 yards kickoff return for a touchdown from Naheem Hines. What a moment uh, yesterday on the first place since they had a no contest I, due I mean, to the injury s- to DeMar Hammond.
2: Speaking of conspiracy theories, how perfect is that? I'm not saying that they allowed them to do it, but the fact that Sean McDermott said, you know, we're deferring. They lose Mm -hmm. the toss. The only way it happens, Bill Belichick likes to defer to the second half. And Naheem Hines goes 96 yards. Clearly, it was just a bad special teams day for the Patriots. Oh, it wasn't straight down the field. Then he went 101 yards after that, but he's untouched. (laughs) He goes through one crease and breaks it to the sideline. He's gone for a 96-yard return. Uh, Incredible moment. I was watching it live when it happened. And, you know, the surprise in Jim Nance's voice as it starts out as a routine, going to get some good yardage here and wait a minute. And just, I mean, it was short of a do you believe in miracles, Al Michaels call, but it was nonetheless surprising that that's how that game opened with everything
1: going on with the Bills. Really cool. Coming up, we take a look at the college football playoff and the matchups tonight, Georgia and TCU. Amy Dash will join us in roughly 15 minutes. We'll get into the Chris Beard situation down in Austin, Texas. Trey Wallace will also join us from Los Angeles. And we'll dive deeper into Georgia, TCU. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Tonight, Stetson Bennett against Max Duggan as Georgia takes on TCU. And it's also Sonny Dykes head-to-head against Kirby Smart and the college football playoff experience. Saban's been dominating this, but now here's Georgia going for back-to-back crowns. Bennett can be- become the with the eighth quarterback to win back-to-back national championships as a college quarterback, the first since AJ McCarron did it. And meanwhile, here's Kirby Smart about to um and many believe deliver back-to-back championships of Georgia and did so last year for the first time in 41 years. But the job that Sonny Dykes has done with TCU, can they pull it off with the head-to-head matchups against the best in the game right now? And that's Georgia's staff, and it starts with Kirby Smart.
2: TCU a year ago, 5-7, and seven, and uh, with a legend at coaching Gary Patterson, a legend for that school, yeah. picked 7th in the Big 12, <laughs> bottom half of the league, to start the season. Uh, one of the most, if not the most improbable, participant in this type of game that we've ever seen. A 12-and-a-half-point favorite that starts to creep back up a little bit. to get down to 12. I think the late money's coming in on Georgia. Some of the smarter money coming in on the Bulldogs late once that number crept down a little bit. Um, I think a big part of this is Miller, the great running back for TCU, his availability. They tried to play him in the second half, couldn't do it against Michigan. If he can get 10 to 15 productive carries tonight, that's a huge boost for TCU. Di Mercado was good in as a reserve in that game, but that that's a big factor because TCU is a good running team. They're not the same, though, without Miller, uh, who was maybe their best player on offense throughout the year with him and Duggan, the, the the Heisman finalist, obviously, but he's a big part of that, that Horned Frog offense. So if he can't go, advantage Bulldogs.
1: Yeah, and you know, the the other thing, like TCU answered Michigan, even as Michigan pulled the comeback, right? And you've got the 51-45 finish. Can TCU do that on Georgia? Can you force what Ohio State forced and then have your guy make a play at the end? Have your kicker make the kick? Because I don't foresee this being, if TCU is winning this game, this isn't 26 to 21, right? This is Georgia pedal to the metal and can TCU return serve? Because they did it very well against Michigan. And Georgia's defense, as the season
2: got late, really from kind of mid-November after that Tennessee went on, their defense hasn't quite been the same. Mm-hmm. They gave up 30, a lot of that in the second half in, in scrub time, against LSU in the SEC championship. They give up the 41 uh, against Ohio State. But the way Ohio State did it with those great receivers, best receiver group in the country, and C.J. Stroud, they made Georgia's secondary look bad. I don't know that TCU, the way they play, even though they're explosive – has the ability to run those intermediate routes to throw it 15 to 20 yards down the field and make them look consistently bad the way Ohio State could. So then it becomes a game of can Max Duggan will himself running the football to first downs and move the sticks for, for TCU against this Georgia
1: defense? Unless Johnston ends up being the talk of the game.
2: Yeah, I just think and he's a
1: first round pick.
2: That's a tall task, I think, for, for Duggan in this game. It's just. There's a lot of reasons. I love TCU's story and their season, and they're they're a really good team, obviously, mm-hmm. to be in this point. I just the more I look at it, I do not like this matchup for the Horn Frogs in this game, and I, I think Georgia has survived their scare, and I, they're they, not getting a big scare tonight. I
1: have always doubted TCU all year. <laughs> they're going to lose.
2: What's one more time? They're going to huh? lose.
1: What's one more time? Well, they burned me uh, the one yeah. time. The, the, the one time that you know I'm, I'm I'm backing them, they end up losing to. <laughs> to Kansas State in uh, since sense that I thought it was a terrible matchup for them against Michigan. And, you know, we, we saw what happened. Um, it is a massive task though. I just want a tough competitive game in the fourth. You know, a reason to watch some drama in the fourth quarter. If that's the case, as a college football fan, we're all massive winners in that because it has been a great playoff to this point. Um, And I also wish that this game was played on a Saturday instead of a Monday. I do, too. Doesn't feel very college college
2: football-ish to play this on Monday night.
1: Coming up, Amy Dash will join us. Speaking of uh, the state of Texas, we'll discuss the University of Texas and Chris Beard being out, fired with cause, and what's next? We'll leave that next.